Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. This is the last week of our summer Sabbath series, Take It Easy. Um, on week one, John Plotner from New Life Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, he laid the foundation for our annual Sabbath series. He told us that there are three responses to Sabbath. First of all, we ignore it, or we become a slave to it, or we understand that it was created for us to enjoy. And then the second week of this series, we looked at Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus invited us to take it easy. The Pharisees had turned the Sabbath into a have to instead of a get to. And, and so Jesus comes along and, and he changes all that, all their man-made rules and stuff. And here's what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Jesus takes what is burdensome and what is heavy, and he makes it into something useful and enjoyable. That's what he did with the Sabbath. He took something that the Pharisees had made very burdensome and, and, and very heavy, and he says, I want it to be useful and enjoyable because the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We're not here to serve the Sabbath. We're here to allow Sabbath to serve us. And so Jesus was turning that whole, that whole paradigm upside down. And so last week we learned that although we have an adversarial relationship with time, God does not have an adversarial relationship with time. He exists outside of the confines of time. So God, therefore, is not bound by time. He does not fret over time. God does not stay up late at night worrying about time. Time is of no concern to God. And because of that, God is able to restore the years that you feel like have been lost. What the enemy has, has taken from your life, all of those lost years that you feel like could never be replaced, because God is not concerned with time, he can replace those years if you allow him to. And that happens in the moment of Sabbath. Last week, I spoke to you about our adversarial relationship with time. Today, I want to speak with you about our adversarial relationship with work. That four-letter word, work. So let's talk about this. Uh, I was riding down the road this week, and there was a car in front of me, and I saw something on the car that was interesting. And I, I tend to notice things like that because years ago, I took a, a, a motorcycle safety course, and they taught me defensive driving. So you're often paying attention to the cars around you. And so I was riding down the road, and I saw this bumper sticker on the back of this van this week. And the bumper sticker said, work like a captain party like a pirate. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. I kind of laughed a little bit and I thought, man, how clever is that? It's theologically inaccurate, but that is clever, isn't it? Work like a captain, party like a pirate. And you know, and it, it's kind of a twist on that phrase, work hard, play hard. Work hard, play hard. Many people I have found out are confused about the concept of work. They believe that we work so that we can rest. And they will work their fingers to the bone just trying to get to the weekend. They'll work all week long just so that they can get to the weekend. They go hard all week longing for a day of rest at the end of the week. But to completely mess you up today, I want you to understand something. We were never meant to work to rest. 
And I know that that, that, that statement alone feels like it kind of goes against the thought of Sabbath. And I've been teaching Sabbath for, for every July since the beginning of this church. But we were never meant to work to rest. We rest to work. We rest, this is the way God designed it, we rest to work. You're not convinced, let me show you. God created humanity on the sixth day of creation. Would you agree with me? God created humanity on the sixth day of creation. Immediately, God sets the example for them to live by. The Bible says that God rested on the seventh day of creation. So he creates man on the sixth day and immediately he lives an example. He shows us by example and he rests on the seventh day. So the first activity that man participated in was a day of rest with God. And I think this is where it confuses us sometimes because we immediately think seventh day. But you have to understand that God rested on the seventh day, but man rested on the first full day of his existence. Much like small children, small babies, when they, when they first come out of the womb, they, they are resting. They don't have a lot of responsibility. They, they can't change their own diaper. They can't feed themselves. But eventually, you're going to grow to a place to where you have to feed yourself. You have to change your own diaper, right? So you can't, uh, that's the best I can put it without getting too graphic. You understand what I'm saying, right? Nod your head if you understand, or I'll have to get more graphic. Okay, thank you, thank you. There you are. So eventually, we mature and, and it's not just a, a stage of resting anymore as a small child does. No, now responsibilities come along and we have to work at life. Most of our calendars, they start the week off with Sunday. If you were to open your phone right now and pull up the calendar on your phone, it most likely, unless you've changed the settings, it starts with Sunday being the first day of the week. And, and this concept actually derived from Christian influence as Sunday being the first day of the week. The New Testament tells us that Jesus rose from the grave on the first day of the week. And that's why we as Christians, that's why we choose to worship on Sunday rather than Saturday, uh, uh, which the Saturday is the more traditional Jewish Sabbath or even a few Christian denominations like Seventh-day Adventists, they will choose to worship on Saturday. And, and, and somewhere along the way, even though our calendars have Sunday as the first day of the week, somewhere along the way, most likely it was influenced by the Slavic language the emphasis shifted from Sunday to Monday being the first day of the week. Now, you don't realize this, but it affects you every day of your life. In 1988, with the widespread popularity of computer use, and soon every home would have, or nearly every home would have a personal computer, there was this system called ISO 8601. ISO 8601 or ISO 8601 as some call it now. And it was developed to make everything consistent. And what it did is it allowed computer programmers worldwide to write code that all computers all around the world would understand. So ISO 8601 gives numerical value and it states that Monday is the first day of the week. Now, whether you know anything about computer programming or not, chances are you mentally view Monday as the first day of the week and Sunday at the end of your week. Even though 
your calendar. It's right there in black and white. Even though it tells you that Sunday is the first day of the week, you probably still view Sunday as the weekend. Saturday and Sunday being the end of your week. But it's not. Sunday is the first day of the week. And as simplistic as it seems, this small mental shift can change your life. I know because I constantly remind myself of when my week begins and when my week does not begin. Would you rather start your week off blessed because you started it with God on Sabbath? Or would you rather start your week off hectic trying to get to God at the end of the week? You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, a, it's a Sabbath mindset. And it, and it requires us to think differently. Do you begin your week by resting or do you begin your week by working? And what you consider the beginning of your week, it matters. Church, listen to me. It matters. That Sabbath mindset where God invites us to start the week off by taking it easy. And if you get this today, it's going to change how you live. Rather than resting from work, we need to start working from rest. It's the way that God designed it, and that's what he did with Adam's life. God created Adam, and then day one started, and Adam rests with God on his first full day alive, and then God puts him to work. Now, that's really where I'm getting to today, because I want to talk to you about that four-letter word, work. You turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 5 through 9, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 15. Genesis chapter 2. We started this series in, in, in Genesis. We're going to end this series in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 5. And it reads When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. You understand what's being said there? No garden can come forth yet because there's not a man there to take care of it and to work it. So he said, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it, and keep it. Adam began his week. He began his life resting with God, much like that newborn baby. He began his life resting with God, but he couldn't stay there. He had to work. This was God's ordained plan for his life to start with rest, but yet, Adam, you've got to go. To work. It's kind of like some of us parents in the room where you, you get tired of watching your kids just sit in front of the television or you get tired of watching them on social media. And so finally you just reach that place and you're like, you know what? You're not going to sit here all day. You're going to go outside and you're going to wash my car. That's good parenting, right? 
I said, that's good parenting, right? Parents, I'm giving you permission right now to put your kids to work. You know what? You've been sitting here long enough doing nothing. This, it's been a long summer, and I've let you enjoy the summer, but the yard needs to be mowed. So now I want you to get outside, and I want you to mow the yard, right? I thought parents would be so much more excited about this. I really did. Oh, there you go. Well, thank you for speaking up, finally. I don't know if that's exactly how it went down with God and Adam, but I do know this is the way God designed it. Adam, your first full day is going to be resting with me. This is your Sabbath. And from there, I'm going to put you to work. So the first misconception is that your week starts with work and then you rest on the weekend. We know that that's wrong. According to scripture, we know Adam started with rest and then he worked. The second misconception that people have about work is that it is a punishment from God. You've probably even said that before, right? You've, you've, you've at least thought it. Man, I wouldn't have had to work if Adam wouldn't have sinned, right? If Adam wouldn't have sinned, I could, I could just enjoy life. It would be vacation all the time. If Adam wouldn't have sinned, I could sit in front of the TV with a big glass of sweet tea and I could binge watch Netflix all day, air day, right? I could do it. I, it this could be my life. But Adam sinned and he ruined all of it, Right? wrong it's not the way that it is it's, it's just simply not true God put Adam in the garden to work it and keep it before Adam and Eve ever sinned we read it before sin had ever come into the human race they were put into the garden to work it and to keep it it was their destiny in life to work and keep the garden this was their occupational calling this is what they were meant to do they were created to work but the curse came later and i think sometimes we miss this in scripture we don't realize that work is part of god's plan for us Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. Mandy, that's why I don't listen to you. <laughs> she looks at me and says, why don't you listen to me? This is why. It's right here in God's word. Because you have listened. I better keep going. Okay, I'm getting in trouble. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. Work was not cursed. The ground was cursed. That's what made it tough. The work was ordained by God. The circumstances in which they were working was brought about because of a curse. Now there were thorns and thistles. Now there were things growing in the garden that were not, never meant to be there. Now there were things that were sticking them and, and drawing blood. Now there was sweat when before there was no sweat when they worked. And, 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 and so... There was a time in early human history, just this brief moment of time, when work was actually enjoyable. There was this moment where you didn't mind working. 
Now, this is where I really want it to apply to our lives right now. Because at work right now, I don't care if you, if you go to a job, if you work from home, or if you are a homemaker and, and that is your job. Whatever your workload looks like at your work right now, I'll guarantee you, you have thorns and thistles. Amen. <laughs> you do. You have thorns and thistles. It, if you do not have to do those certain tasks at work, it, if, if you didn't have to work with those people, if you didn't have to deal with those clients, then it would be a joy to work there. But because you do have to do those tasks and you do have to work with those people and you do have to deal with those clients, it's not a joy. It's not easy. So I'm going to let you in on a secret. Don't tell anybody outside of this room. This is just between us. You ready? Life is full of thorns and thistles. Get over it. That's life. Because we live on a cursed planet, that is life. That's the hand we've been dealt. And for some of you, those thorns and thistles are, are worse for you than, than it, it seems to be for other lives. But I can assure you of this, we all have to deal with them. Not, not one of us in this room are exempt from frustrations in life. The Bible tells us that creation has been subjected to frustration. Why? Because of the curse that is on this planet. And so everybody, all of us, we all have to deal with thorns and thistles. And we've all got our fair share of work, man. And work comes in all shapes and sizes. I don't care what you do for a living. It comes in all shapes and sizes. And sometimes it even goes beyond Matter of fact, most of the work in our lives is beyond our occupations. Because in life, it just takes work. We have to work at our jobs. We have to work on our marriages. We have to work on our children. We have to work in our friendships. All of these things take work. Life takes work, but it's what he called us to do. He said, he said that you're going to begin the day. You're going to begin the week resting in me. And then I'm going to have you work for six days. And so you spend six times more time working than you do resting. But that's what he has ordained for us. We all have work to do. And it's not always easy. It's not always fun. But that does not mean that you can quit. Just because it's not easy and just because it's not fun does not mean that you get to throw in the towel and you get to walk away. Because work is part of what God has ordained for your life. It's part of what he's ordained for my life. And so we have to keep pushing. We have to keep going. You can't just quit work. You just can't quit your marriage. You can't quit your children. You can't quit those friendships because they are a little challenging. No, they require work and God requires you to work at that. God created you to work. So don't let the first sign of burden shrink you from what God has called you to do. We were made to cultivate the garden. We were made to be fruitful and multiply. We are called to work. So stop expecting it to be easy. Life is not easy, and I fear that the less that we expect burdens, the more burdensome burdens become. Can I repeat that? Because I want to make sure everybody in the room hears me. I fear that the less that we expect burdens, the more burdensome burdens become. Why do we go through life sometimes being caught off guard? Christ even told us that these challenges are going to come. 
Just because we are Christians, just because we are believers in Jesus, it does not mean that we are exempt from the trials. No, it, what it means is that we've got the power to walk through these, tri these trials of life. What it means is that we can be overcomers over these trials. What if picking up our cross and following him, what if that involves not being afraid to work? What if that is, is what is part of carrying the cross? What if being a good spouse means that you've got to work through the trials of marriage? Because I'll be the first to admit, marriage is work, but he's called me to work it. What if mothering a small child is not meant to be easy? What if being a friend is meant to be time-consuming and emotionally draining as you invest into someone else's life? Well, what if being a teacher is supposed to be challenging? What if being a nurse is supposed to be challenging? What if being a doctor is supposed to be challenging? What if being a lawyer is supposed to be challenging? What if being a construction worker is supposed to be challenging? What if being a truck driver is supposed to be challenging? What if being a real estate agent is supposed to be challenging? What if, and insert your occupation right there, what if that is supposed to be challenging? What if that is part of his big scheme? What if that is part of God's plan for our life? What if that's what he wants us to go through? Because I've said it many times and I'll continue to say this, but as I go through life, I find moments where I'm so frustrated that I need a savior. And if I don't have those moments in life, what's the use in even having a savior? He requires me to learn to lean on him and his understanding and not my own understanding. That's what he requires. So what if life is supposed to be challenging because it makes us run back to Sabbath? It makes us run back to God the Father. It's no secret that during the month of July, I do not take any counseling appointments. And I know some people may not understand that, but this is something that I do with the blessing and the encouragement of our administrative council and our church staff. It's something that I do to refresh me for the next season of ministry. And I can tell you that after nearly 21 years of full-time ministry, this is probably something that, that helps keep me sane more than anything else. Because many of you have come to me and you've told me before, you, you've said things like, Pastor, I don't know how you do it. You're constantly listening and dealing with other people's problems. You give advice, sometimes it's taken, sometimes it's not. And, You've looked at me and you said, I don't know how you, how you do that. It has to be exhausting. And, and I'll admit to you, dealing with people, as you know, can be exhausting. I've heard many ministers say it, but it's been said that ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. Go figure. But I'm not the only one in this room that has to deal with people. I'm not the only one in this room that has to deal with thorns and thistles. The Apostle Paul spoke about a thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what or who he was talking about, but he had to deal with a thorn in his flesh. And, and he pleaded to the Lord three times to take that away from him, but God never did. But yet he gave him the strength to endure it and to overcome through, through just going through the trial. 
My life is not any more complicated than yours. We all have thorns and thistles. We all have concerns. We all have frustrating moments with life. We are subjected to frustration according to God's word. But if I have to be completely honest with you, leading into Sabbath every year, I feel just about spent. Leading into the month of July for us as a church and resting, Sometimes I feel like some of my counseling sessions in the month of June, I'm probably giving people bad advice. You know, I'm like, sell everything you have, move to Africa. Yeah. <laughs> That's what God wants for your life. Get out of my hair, you know. In the middle of next week, August 1st, life goes back to normal for me. I've been going to the office. I go to the office all throughout the month of July, but I just don't, just don't deal with people and problems. I just take a break so that I can mentally be refreshed. And so the middle of this next week, my life goes back to normal. The month of Sabbath comes to an end. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, there's days that, that I leave the office and I'm spent, man. I'm telling you, I'm mentally exhausted. I go home and, and there's sometimes when I have to look at Mandy and I'm like, I don't even think I can have an adult conversation right now because my mind is just gone. You know what I'm talking about. You have those days. I, I, I'm not the only one in this room that faces this. You go through this stuff. And I know that for me, managing staff and, and people and parishioners and their problems and church construction and my own immediate family and my extended family and all the issues and problems that comes with all of that stuff, stuff that you have to face also, it catches up with you. Life is full of thorns and thistles. What if this is how it is supposed to be? What if he designed it for us to rest in him, to find strength for the next six days of work? You feel what just happened? You feel that relief that you just felt when it was just explained to you? This is what Shabbat is all about. This is why we gather together on Sundays. Because it's in this moment that we become carefree and we rest in him, knowing that God is more capable than we are. And then we go throughout the rest of the week working like it depends on us. But when you learn to Shabbat you realize that it gets to reset right here and I get to lay all of those burdens down every thorn and thistle I get to lay down at the foot of the cross and then the next day I get to pick it back up trusting in him reprogram with a different mindset now now listen towards the end of the week those thorns and thistles they've, they have worn you out and then you get to reset again. And this is the cycle. This is the rhythm of life that he established for Adam and that he gives to us. Whatever that garden is that he has put you in, that environment that he puts you in, you are called to work it and keep it. You are called to work and keep it. But what we want is we want this turnkey garden. We want someone else to walk in and 
till up the ground for us. We want someone else to come along and plant the seeds. We want someone else to come along and pull up all the weeds. We want someone else to come along and fertilize it. Every now and then we want to walk outside and we want to turn on the sprinkler just so we can say we, we had our hand in it. Now God's called us to work. We're called to work the garden that he's placed us in. I think sometimes we get stressed out because the garden looks more like a jungle, doesn't it? It's just, there's, there's overgrowth everywhere. And we're like, where do I even start? It doesn't mean that you can quit church. It just means that you have more work to do. But you work for six days and then you rest in him. And then you work for six days and you get to rest in him at the beginning of the week. And then you work for six days and you rest in him. And you work for six days and you rest in him. Work is not always enjoyable. Problems are inevitable and people are messy. It's just the way life is. It's because the, the earth that we walk is cursed. If, if someone asked me, how are, how are you going to end this series? How do we walk out of this and then, and then walk back in to life as normal? You know, because we've been, we've been telling you throughout this month, Focus on the relationships that matter. God, family, and friends. Focus on that. We've asked you to do things that, that, that the world looks at us and they think we're, we're nuts. But it works. I've been doing this for over 12 years, teaching on this. It works. We've asked you to do things like don't work overtime. Just go do the necessary hours and then go home at, at the right time so that you can be with your family We've promoted throughout this month family time. We even gave you a DCC movie night with, with free uh, Redbox rentals so that, so that you could focus on time with your family. So how do, we, how do we break that? How do we break a month of Sabbath and get back into it? I'll tell you how you do it. Recognize that today is the first day of your week and God is empowering you to go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and when you get to the end of that, we're going to start back over with Sunday. Your calendar says so. We're going to start back at the first of the week, and we're going to give that to God, and we're going to be empowered through Sabbath, and then we're going to do it all over again. Jesus echoed this thought in Matthew 22. Matthew chapter 22, it, there was this time when the Pharisees gathered together, and one of them, who was a lawyer, he had a question for Jesus. And so here's the question that he asked in verse 36. He said, teacher... Which is the greatest commandment? He said, when I look at the law, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says, this is the great and first commandment. And then he says, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Not that he needs me to summarize anything that he has ever said. But if you give me just a moment, I want to tell you, this is what Jesus was saying. Rest in this. Work at this. Rest in this. Work at this. Rest in this. Work at this. Rest in the vertical. Work at the horizontal. And it 
works. There have been some discouraging moments for me in ministry throughout the years, much like you've had discouraging moments in your career. Unfortunately for me, it always involves people. People have been asking me, are are you discouraged because of of the church and the delay and everything on construction? And, you know, it is what it is. When we get there, we get there, and it's, it's coming. People matter more. And that's why it hurts more sometimes. When the thorns and thistles appear in the form of humanity, it hurts. It does. And recently, we've had a couple of families leave our church. Families that, if I was to be very honest with you, I I would have to tell you that I, I feel like I've poured a lot into. Emotionally. Physically, I just feel like I've just spent myself. And so... When a family leaves, it, it just has a way of ripping a pastor's heart out. We're taught, they, they tell us conferences and seminary classes and different things. They tell you, don't take it personal. And you're like, oh, it's easier said than done because we're all human, right? And so it gets to me sometimes. It leaves me scratching my head trying to figure it out. So in a moment like that, I've got a choice to make. Do I give up on people because it's not worth it? Or do I start my week off with God? Let him bring balance and focus back to my calling. And then do work. For years, I've had a sign hanging up in my office. Way back when I was a youth pastor, I had this sign in my office, and and it continues to hang in my office today. If you walk right in my door, it's immediately right there to the left, and I read it about every day. And the sign says, if I take credit for the increase, then I have to take blame for the decrease. It's one of the greatest reminders for a pastor, especially a pastor of a growing church, that if I take credit for the increase, I have to take the blame for the decrease. But can I tell you that applies to all of us in this room? I don't care if you're selling cars, mowing yards, working on patients. I don't care what it, what it, who you are and what you do for a living. If you take the credit for the increase, then you have to take the blame for the decrease. Sabbath says... God, I recognize that all of this depends on you. That every blessing in my life comes down from the Father of lights. I understand that this is you. And then I work the rest of the week with the knowledge of what I've acknowledged on the Sabbath. Sabbath reminds me that he orchestrates my life and he ordains my steps, not me. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.